No, I am in fact not lost. I am supposed to be here. <laughs> May the peace of the Lord be with you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, every sermon, every sermon, I'm not used to the mic. I like speaking without a mic. Except for at home, I always use a mic. Um, (laughs) So I can be heard. Um, Every sermon is given a title so that when you're looking for them on your uh, um, computer file, you can find it. This one is called Not So Jolly Old St. Nick. Okay? So what I'm trying to do, and you can tell me at the end if I've done it, is try to marry up today's reading, John 1, um, with the fact that um, good old St. Nick visited us this week. So I hope that Santa Claus came and visited everyone on Christmas Eve. And I have to be careful that, there, that all of the kids, in fact, did go to Sunday school. Otherwise, I'll have some angry parents. Santa came, right? Um, I know that Santa came to our house, although the reindeer probably weren't happy. Can you imagine? What? We have to go all the way to Tarzana, right? <laughs> Don't we have a union? Um, And in fact, we don't even have a working chimney. We just have the California gas log. So, you know, the the light that turns. So anyway, Santa to me is a fascinating character. He's a composite character consisting of fact, myth, and legend. For instance, here's a mixture of fact and legend. Little known fact about jolly old St. Nick is... In the year 325 A.D., or C.E. for the academics among you, Santa Claus reportedly gave someone a very unique Christmas present. That was a sock in the face. Jolly old Saint Nick actually punched someone in the face. And I'm sure afterwards he was sorry, um, because it certainly flies in the face of the teaching of our Lord to love our enemies. So why did this happen? Most of you have heard of Santa Claus, St. Nick. There actually was a St. Nicholas. He was bishop in Myra, which is in Asia Minor. Today is Turkey. And by all accounts that we have, he was a rich man. His parents died when he was a young man, leaving him a lot of money. By all accounts, he was also extremely kind and generous and had a reputation for helping the poor and giving to the needy. So there's several legends regarding the generosity of St. Nick. And we don't know whether or not they're true, but I hope that they are. I want to believe. So let me tell you the genesis of this giving, Santa Claus. Santa Claus is best known for the giving of gifts, And he does so through our chimney, even in mine with the California gas log. Um, And the legend, the myth, 
there are two versions. The first version is that there was a man who had three daughters, and he was very poor and had just gone through bankruptcy. And back then, um, a commodity was your daughters. You could actually sell your daughters and receive money. So he was poor, had gone bankrupt, and had made the decision to sell his daughters. St. Nicholas heard of this and thought it was terrible. He took three little bags of gold, went over to the poor man's house, and tossed them in. There's a little twist. He didn't just toss them in the window. Don't ask me why. St. Nick climbed on the roof. And he dropped them down the flue. Okay, you know what's coming next. These three girls had just washed their socks and hung them by the chimney to dry. And St. Nick, being a Harlem Globetrotter, when he tossed the bags of gold down, one fell in each stocking. They woke up in the morning. They found that, in fact, um, their fortune had been semi-restored and they would not be sold into slavery. That's a nice story I want to believe. The other version is that the same man, poor man, had three daughters. And back then, you couldn't be married without a dowry. Okay, You guys know what that is? That's like a marriage purse. It's something of value that you give to the new husband. Um, We don't do that anymore. But back then, in order to get your daughters married, you had to have a dowry. This poor man didn't have money for a dowry. The first girl came of age, didn't have a dowry. So St. Nick did basically the same thing. Boom, hit the sock again, right? In the morning, they find in the sock, look, Betty, I don't know what her name, Betty, you can get married. We can use this money for your dowry. She's married. Second one comes of age, boink, right in the sock again. Look, Phyllis, I don't know what her name is. Look, Phyllis, you can get married, right? So maybe the father was a little slow on the uptake, but he said, hey, my third daughter is coming of age. Why don't I stay up and see where this gold is coming from, right? How, how many of you have tried to stay up and catch Santa? How, how many of you have been able to, to do it? Have you caught Santa? Okay. So he decided to stay up, and he's barely staying awake, and he hears, boink, drops in the sock. He looks in the sock. He runs outside, and he sees St. Nicholas on his roof. St. Nicholas comes down. The man embraces him. Thank you, thank you. St. Nicholas said, no problem, right? But just don't tell anybody. Okay, I want this to be anonymous. I don't want people to know that it's me. Now, If you ever want everybody to know something, just ask that it not be told. Like, just keep this between you and me. It'll be broadcast all over. Well, that's what happened to St. Nicholas. So any time something like that happened, someone had a windfall, okay, or something that they couldn't explain, or some bounty that they didn't know the genesis of, they would say, ah, it must be from good old St. Nick. So because of his kindness and other works, um, like, for instance, he supposedly calmed the sea for sailors, things like that, um, he was made a saint. Um, 
When he gives gifts, these presents remind us, I think, today of the ultimate gift. God gives us, through the baby Jesus, the gift of himself, the exact imprint of the Father's being, God the only Son. Okay, so here we have this man who's willing to climb on roofs, chuck bag of gold down a chimney, and is even so good that he can get it right in the sock. Pretty good guy. So what would provoke him to punch a man in the face? Well, let's ask another question first. And believe it or not, they are connected. Is why are we celebrating Jesus' birthday on the same day that used to be a pagan festival? You guys knew that, right? In fact, if you don't know it, all of your friends who are non-Christian in this post-Christian world, right, are more than ready to remind you. You realize that December 25th isn't Jesus' birthday. And in fact, you're celebrating a pagan holiday. And don't even let me bring up Easter where you're painting eggs, is right? And you're going, wait, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. There are... Plenty of people who would criticize us for celebrating Jesus' birthday on December 25th. And there's even groups such as the Jehovah's Witnesses. I speak ill of no one, but this is a fact. That they would claim that the fact that you ate pumpkin pie or gave a loved one a gift on December 25th makes you a crypto-pagan. So, there. I'm now going to talk about the queen. Where is he going? Trust me, it's all connected. Now, I'm not saying that the queen and Jesus are to be compared, (laughs) except by the queen herself. But the queen of England was actually born April 21st, 1926. She's been queen for a long time. Okay? Now, when, when do we celebrate the Queen's birthday? Or actually, we don't. Let's say we were Canadian, eh? When do they celebrate the Queen's birthday? The second Saturday in June. Why do they do that? Okay, if you've ever been to the UK, okay, in April or any time during the winter, You don't want to do anything. You don't want to go outside. And how this tradition started is, you know, mad King George? Well, he wasn't that mad. King George II in 1748, his birthday was in um, November. And everyone said, George, let's have a party for your birthday. He goes, are you kidding? Look at it outside. It's terrible. But the second week of June, we have a military parade. Why don't we wait and celebrate my birthday on the military parade. It'll be nicer for everyone. So now, English monarchs have two birthdays. They have their actual date of birth, which they celebrate privately, and then publicly, the date that they celebrate um, is in June, the second Saturday in June. So it's the same with Jesus. If you want to know when Jesus was born, you'll have to ask his mother because no one else knows. Okay, there has been a lot of ink spilled and a lot of calendars ruined trying to determine the exact date of Christ's birth. 
Um, we don't know. And neither did the early Christians. Like, for instance, you'd say, well, look in your Bible. There's no date given in the Bible. There are some arguments that are rather interesting. The first recorded date of celebrating Jesus' birthday on the 25th was in 336. And who was emperor of Rome in 336? Constantine. Now, he was willing to say, yes, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th, but I'm not going to go so far as to make it an official celebration because we have other things booked that day, like, for instance, the pagan holidays. There are other traditions relating to the 25th. This one was kind of interesting interesting to me. There are some that believe the um, Annunciation, when Mary was told she would give birth to a very special baby, happened on March 25th. Count nine months from March. Where does that put you? December 25th. There are different traditions. Um, some people, and this is probably most likely, at least it's the one I kind of lean towards, is that it was celebrated on December 25th because there were existing holidays. That's when the winter solstice was celebrated, um, ancient pagan Roman midwinter festivals called Saturnalia and Dies Natalis Solus Invicti. We had those on the 25th, or at least in December. So it was a time when people were already used to having celebration. So they celebrated the winter solstice. And this is, as you know, the day where we have the shortest time between the sun rising and the sun setting. And it happens by our calendar, usually on the 21st or 22nd. Um, and to the pagans, what this meant is that spring was coming. And spring is a good thing when you're living in Rome or in a cold climate. And they had a festival to celebrate the sun winning over the darkness of winter. The Roman festival of Saturnalia usually occurred between December 17th and 23rd. And you have to realize that we're just for the, you know, for the um, Gregorian and the Julian calendars and the adjustments. So it's around there. Dies Natalis Solus Invictae means birthday of the unconquered sun. We do know that that one was held on December 25th because that's when the Romans thought that the winter solstice took place. And it was the birthday of the pagan sun who was called Mithra. So we had these celebrations. Okay. Well, also a final one that I've seen thrown out. Jesus was a Jew. You guys knew that, right? Okay. Jesus was a Jew. Hanukkah starts on the eve of the 25th of Kislev on the Jewish calendar. You guys probably have that Jewish calendar on your refrigerator, so you know that we're in Kislev. So Hanukkah, as you know, celebrates the Jewish people being able to rededicate the temple. Okay, Kislev um, corresponds generally with our month of December. In fact, Hanukkah, the first night of Hanukkah this year, started on December 22nd. So the thought might be, well, okay, Jesus was a Jew. Maybe somehow celebration of Hanukkah was conflated with the celebration of Jesus' birth.
Okay? I don't know. But I do like the idea of the pre-existing holidays. So, in any event, what I read to you today is, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. The God, the one through whom all things came into being, and without whom nothing came into being, that God became human, just like us. Now, this is very important. You can imagine we wouldn't be Christians without it. And early Christians wanted to celebrate that, that fact. Okay? They didn't have a clue when Jesus was born. But they wanted a day to remember that, in fact, the Son of God was born. What should they do? Well, if the early church had a vestry, I could imagine them all getting together and saying, how about June 23rd? No, sorry, it doesn't, doesn't work for me. Can't do June 20. March 19th? No, that, that doesn't work for me. Right? You guys basically know, right? It wouldn't have worked. Well, they didn't do that. Instead, they read their Bibles. But I've already told you that the date of Jesus' birth isn't in the Bible. Well, what they did this time, instead of reading for a date, they read for context. In John 1, we read, The Word became flesh and lived among us. More accurately, what that means is that the Word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. Just like in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were wandering through the desert, God actually traveled with them in the Ark of the Covenant, which was housed in a special tent. So in Jesus, God pitches his tent amidst our tents. Okay, He's with us as we journey through life. God is willing to get involved in our mess. So, Jesus could have been born in a nice holy place, like a temple. Instead, he was born in a stable, surrounded by animals, a poor, smelly stable. And when he's less than two years old, his family must flee as an asylum seeker to Egypt. When he grows up, he hangs out. He, he doesn't hang out in holy places, doing holy things. No. Where was his first miracle? And what was that? And that was a wedding. It was a wedding party. Okay, yes, Jesus partied. He was invited to the wedding and he attended. Jesus gets involved in our, in our lives. As I said, the word became flesh and he pitched his tent among us. So the early Christians wanted a day to celebrate the birth of God as a human baby. This time, you hear this phrase all the time, what would Jesus do? Okay? This time, the early Christians thought literally, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus find a date to celebrate his own birth? Well, Jesus went to people's parties. We read about it. And while everyone was having fun, what was Jesus doing? He was telling them about God. So the early Christians said, when do people usually have a party? December. 
Why don't we use December? Every culture, every religion in the Roman Empire had a party in December. And again, I told you why. <laughs> because December is a miserable month. It's cold. It's horrible. And people have a party to cheer themselves up. So everyone had a party in December. So the early Christians said, right, what would Jesus do? Well, we know. We read the Bible. Jesus would go to the party. So the early Christian picked one of those days, and it happened to be December 25th, and they made it the day that they would celebrate Jesus' birth. And when, when they invited their friends, and they saw the Christians having fun, they would say, hey, why aren't you singing songs about Dionysius and Mithras instead of Jesus? And the Christians would share, I think that's one of mine, um, no? I can't believe it. I had, I had such good odds. <laughs> Another one? Okay. I thought I'm feeling, I'm feeling weird. I thought I recognized that voice. Shira, did you hear the part of the sermon where I talked about you could sell your kids? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So they found a party and they took Jesus to it. Right? So imagine these people are showing up to celebrate the sun god. And they're saying, oh, who is this Jesus? Well, my friend, let me tell you. Right? right? So people were gathered. They went and told them about Jesus. So that's how we got, or I think it's as good an explanation as any, is how we got December 25th. So let's go back now to St. Nicholas. Who did St. Nicholas punch? He punched a man named Arius. You may have heard of Arius. He's responsible for the heresy named after him, the Arian heresy. And the punching allegedly occurred at the Council of Nicaea in 325. Now listen, I don't want to tell you that um, it's biblical to go around punching people, although we know some people who could use a punching, but it's, it wouldn't be good to do. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So then what provoked this good, kind, and loving man to sock someone in the puss? Well, what Arius was doing is he was actually trying to take over the church. And he was teaching that Jesus wasn't the real God. Okay, That Jesus was, in fact, a demigod, a God with a small g. Okay, meaning that Jesus was made, not begotten, unlike what we say in the creed, begotten, not made. That, in fact, Jesus was not God. There's a lot of people out there that don't believe Jesus is God. There's plenty of people who will say, and I've heard it, oh, well, Jesus is a good man, and I admire him. Or some of our Muslim friends might say, I have great reverence for Jesus as a prophet. We've heard this, but he is not God. So even if they're deeply respectful of Jesus, they don't acknowledge Jesus as God. So Santa Claus was so upset with Arius that he punched him. He punched him because his teaching was disrespecting God. He was essentially saying that God didn't love you. Let me explain. 
If Jesus isn't really God, that means that God allowed someone else to do all of the dirty work. If the Arians and the others that we encounter are right, God wasn't born in the stinky stable. God didn't dirty his hands by touching lepers or washing feet. God didn't suffer and die for you and me on the cross. No, God just stayed up there in heaven, distant and safe, leaving Jesus to do all of the tough stuff. But what if Jesus is God? The word was with God, and the word was God. God became flesh and pitched his tent among us. If we follow what the Bible says and agrees Jesus is God, that means that God loved you enough to be born in unpleasant circumstances, that God touched people whom no one else would touch, and that when it came down to it, God loved you enough to suffer and die on the cross. Now, Arius' teaching, for those of you who don't know, I think most of you do, My wife's name is Shira. Arian's teaching would be like this. I love you so much that I'm willing to have Shira take a bullet for you. Right? No, it should be I love you so much, right, that I'm your secret service, right? Someone shoots at you, I'm going to take that bullet. But Arius was saying, no, God didn't take the bullet. He sent Jesus down. He sent Shira down to take the bullet. Why? Because he doesn't love you enough to suffer in your place. Now, if that's true, that would make God a cruel, distant tyrant, and not our God, not my God. But we're told God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. God became flesh and pitched his tent among us. So that's why the early Christians picked a party and brought Jesus to it. They picked an existing date, December 25th, and made it the day that would celebrate the fact that God loves you enough not to send someone else, but to be born himself and do all that he did for you. I'd like to close in prayer. Behold, the dwelling of God is with mankind. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.